Hi there, welcome to Inside MERS Investments. I'm Kristen Ballar, MERS General Counsel. I manage all of MERS legal and compliance matters. I'm here today with Jeb Burns, the Chief Investment Officer, who leads MERS investment team in managing over $15 billion of assets for pension and other financial accounts. Hi Jeb, happy summer. Kristen, good to see you again. I see you came through on your special guest promise. I did. I've got to my right, which I'm sure everybody can see, is Ed Michael, a Managing Director of Private Markets for MERS of Michigan. Hi Jeb, hi Kristen. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, it's glad to be here. Let's get right to it. So we're halfway through the year. How is the portfolio doing? Uh, we're actually doing pretty well. So the second quarter, the portfolio was up 1.89%, which year-to-date through the end of June brings us up to 6.16%. Um, you know, our actual target is 7%. So we're, you know, frankly, we're, we're almost there. And um, if I had to kind of guess, I mean, I think the economy is looking pretty good. Demand is up. And uh, actually, we were talking, as you, you know, we were talking right before we got on that, when we started the year, economists were, the, the consensus was we're going to have a recession this year. And, and frankly, people were thinking, you know, Q2, Q3. Now consensus seems to be looking into the first half of 2024. I just think there's so much demand in all aspects of the economy that, uh, you know, at least for me, I, th I think that those new numbers for when uh, we might see a recession are, are probably more accurate. So what is the latest, though, on inflation and the recent Fed action? Yeah, so th that's one of the issues, you know, inflation, which eventually does contribute to um, a recession. Because it, and it's not that complicated. It's just like the cost, you know, businesses borrow money just like people borrow money. Uh, we see it in our personal lives when you go to refinance. Well, like a year ago, refinancing your house was a lot less painful. Right now, the number's bigger. The Fed actually did what they said they were going to do, and they raised rates. Actually, you know, they raised them uh, the 20, 26th. So now their target range is five and a quarter to five and a half percent. So the cost of borrowing for banks, businesses, and Ed will talk a little bit about this for people that borrow money and buy companies, has gone up. So that puts stress on, um, on profits. So in a, in a company that's in maybe a difficult situation, if the cost of borrowing and, and generally everything else is more expensive, eventually that can lead to difficulties for that company. And when you get into you know inflation, we believe that inflation is going to stay higher for longer. Now it's moderated for sure. So head, headline inflation is now um, at about 2.97. So that actually includes food and energy. What is headline inflation? That includes food. Oh, includes, I just, I just, I just said that. <laughs> um, and that was going to get the core, which takes out food and energy. And the reason is those are much more volatile. Those have actually come down quite a bit. But core CPI, which excludes those two, um, is 4.8. So what that tells me is the costs of kind of living are still elevated and still pretty high. And I just think inflation, you're not going to see a lot of you know, relief going back to say you know, 2% because um, the wage pressure is still there. You know, you're not, you know, you know, there's not enough people in any industry to fill positions, so it's hard to cut wages when you're in that kind of situation. So with regard to the recession you just mentioned, you think that maybe it was just delayed and we're not going to avoid it entirely? You never know when it's going to happen. The one thing that we know in our business for sure is that you're going to have a recession at some point. And I think that you know higher interest rates, which put more pressure on households, more pressure on businesses, eventually that's what breaks the economy. And um, there's never been, and Ed, you can help me on this, but I don't think there's really ever been a soft landing. Not that I can remember. Uh, so there's always something that breaks. It, it does. It just there's more stress in the system when the cost of, of borrowing, uh, 
paying employees and running a business are, are more. And for strong businesses, that's great. They can, they can weather that storm, but for others, um, it become, eventually becomes a problem, and then you have to kind of reset the economy. So, uh, you know, Ed, what, what's your take on inflation and interest rates from the private market perspective? Um, but before you answer that, can you give our audience a quick primer on private markets and their position in the portfolio? Uh, sure. So um, private markets are, are generally investments that are not stocks and bonds. Uh, so sometimes we refer to private markets as alternatives, uh, things like real estate, agriculture, private equity, venture capital, timber, those things that you don't see in the newspaper printed with the price every day. Um, and just like when you're talking about private equity, what you're talking about is buying companies that don't trade on public stock exchanges. Correct. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. So in terms of first party question, which was... Um, with respect to interest rates, these are generally very interest rate sensitive investments. They're, they're owned for the long term, uh, generally. Um, so you know, real estate is, is a very capital intensive, intensive business. So in order to be able to pay the purchase price, you need to take out debt generally, just like all of us do for our, our, our houses. Same thing with commercial real estate. And when the cost of that debt goes up, encumbers cash flow, and therefore you're making less cash on the, you're making less cash flow in the business, and that's when loans can get into trouble um, and we can see, you know, like Jeb said, something break in the economy. Commercial real estate right now is sort of what people are talking about as being that one thing that could break or could force banks to break. And, and we saw that in the first quarter of this year with a couple of banks um, you know, having issues with their parts of their investment portfolio. Yeah, we talked about that earlier earlier this year. So, so aside from commercial real estate, are there any other sectors of the private markets that are particularly challenged right now and why? So it, it's great that Jeb had me on the podcast as a special guest this quarter, because literally this is the most difficult year for private markets um, that we've had. Exactly, exactly. I'm going to be. It's a short appearance on the podcast. I have to get back out there. Uh, but no, generally, you know, um, I talked a little bit about you know uh, agriculture and timber as being parts of the private markets. Those are commodity-driven investments, and when interest rates are high, generally. The performance of commodities is the inverse of that. So a couple of years ago, as inflation was rising, the private market's portfolio looked great. Um, this year, as the follow-on effect to high inflation is generally you know, the Fed or central banks raising interest rates. So then when the rates finally come up, then all of a sudden all the, you know, the rose is off the bloom or um, you know, the shine is off the apple and, and the prices of commodities come back down to earth. So last year was great for private markets. This year is the opposite because central banks have responded with these higher interest rates that have finally flowed through to the investment cash flows of, of you know, like I said, real estate earlier, but agriculture, as Jeb mentioned, private equity, privately owned companies that are financed um, you know, with debt, as well as um, you know, venture capital. And is that just because you know it costs more to, you know, you can't put as much capital into a company because you don't have as much available? Or you have to put more money in, right. you know, and you have less available from the bank. And then, you know, after profits, you know, the requirement to service that debt reduces what you can pay back to your investors. What other uh, sort of economic, political, and social factors impact our investments in private markets? So that's a really, really concise question. <laughs> um, you know, so th there, there's a lot there, right? I mean, we're starting to see some some things where that we haven't seen before um, in this in this strange political environment. Some certain certain um, of our peers in certain states can no longer actually um, you know invest in certain industries at all, right? Any investment in in energy uh, is prohibited unless it's 
into solar, where before there was, it's a real asset, it's a commodity, you know, generally anyone could allocate to it. So there's certainly been restriction in terms of where capital is going. We're trying to be that group that goes where there is less capital, so therefore we can get things at better pricing and get higher returns if we're able to go where other people aren't. So it's creating some opportunities for MERS um, where other people you know, can't you know, necessarily go. So that's, that's one thing for sure. We're, I mean, it's crazy right now. We're seeing some states that, you know, where people can't even, our investors can't even go to a certain state to go see an investment they may have made 10 years ago because that state's laws have changed. It's really an unusual time, I, you know, most unusual time I've seen in my 20 years um, you know, as part of this. Yeah, and I, th I think what you're seeing is, you know, it's the politicization of almost everything. So you've got, you know, you know, right-leaning states or left-leaning states. They're essentially coming up with naughty lists, and they're, you know, you can't invest in this or you can't go, um, you can't do business, and it's 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 becoming, it's problematic. I mean, it's it, it, it those type of activities eventually hurt the economies that have been in place for the most part. It's also challenging from a fiduciary perspective, not not to drag the investments down to the legal standpoint here too, but ours a, our fiduciary being to invest assets for the sole and exclusive benefit of making returns for, for our, our retirees and our, our participants, right? Our view is we look at everything through a risk lens. So we invest in, in green energy, for sure. Um, you know, we see the societal, you know, pressures and support. Um, we've been, Ed and I both been, been to places where clean energy is needed. We also understand that there's going to be a transition, that it's the way it's going to take decades, 10, 20, 30 years before we can, you know, move to renewable energies or even, you know, even nuclear. So that means that you have to invest in the infrastructure because if you don't, you, you get price anomalies that then start affecting the consumers. So, um, so that's kind of how we look at it is, you know, what's, what's the risk? And we take that into account on, you know, on both. Yeah, and I, I guess, you know, as a follow-on to this question, too, but there's some investments in countries like uh, in Asia where it used to be okay to invest there that we can no longer invest there because um, you know, political pressures at home or, or, or abroad. Very similar to what's what's happened, um, you know, in terms of not being able to invest in Russia and Ukraine. There's other you know, geographies that um, we're starting to feel those constraints. Yeah, so what we do, going back to the risk situation, is we now have to look at um, – geopolitical risk, we have to look at trade risk, we have to look at regulatory risk, we have to look at, you know, to the point that we spoke of earlier with Russia and Ukraine, where suddenly the entire developed world says you can no longer invest there. So that happened. And so where 10 years ago you might have just looked at the business risk or the interest rate risk, now is there going to be a change in regulation? Not just in the U.S., but it's another country going to be more protective of a certain industry and we could find ourselves with an asset that is stranded that we, you know, we can't get, we can't get out. So, so we spent a lot more time on those type of risks before than we had in the past, because because I think, frankly because I think it matters more and it's going to matter for the coming decade. And it certainly matters more in the private markets when you're making a commitment to a longer term investment. So you really have to be certain about those jurisdictions where you do place investment dollars. Well, that was really interesting. You know, it's interesting. There are some similarities, the, the, the buy um, low, sell high that we talk about frequently on the podcast here in the public and private market, but obviously some differences as well. So moving on, we had a listener question submitted that I thought I would ask you. Um, so we talk about where our portfolio is today. We know 2022 was a tough year, even though it ended well. So what would the average market rate of return need to be in our total market fund to make up for the loss? 
last year. Excellent question, and and I'm gonna answer it in in a slightly unique way because it's kind of com complicated. As you're always unique to exactly. So we, you know, the longer you look out at portfolio expectations and returns, the more certainty you have. So I was actually looking at our our since inception, MERS has had returns of like, you know, eight point, you know, between eight closer to, to nine than eight. Um, in our ten years, well over, you know, well over seven percent. But year to year, there's so much volatility, you just don't know what's going to happen. You know, you could be up fourteen or down fourteen. So we know that you're going to experience that kind of volatility. To your to your point of your question, we have put in place um, smoothing methodology for municipalities. And essentially, what that 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 does is we will, you know, you know, average out, if you will, the returns over a five year period. So you're not going to. So if we're up fourteen percent. We're going to take that. We're going to experience that fourteen over five years, as if we're down fourteen. We're going to experience it over five years. So what that does is it reduces the volatility um, and the contributions that uh, either up or down that the municipalities are are going to experience. Okay. So it's not really a, like a zero sum game, and we we you know lose two percent one year and, and make up that the next year. It's it's overall smooth, and that's um, you know I think kind of important because investment returns have a direct impact. On, um, on yeah, you really need to look at things, uh, you know, over you know over a much longer period of time. Because we have these structures in place to weather the volatility of the marketplace, so that the DB experience for municipalities is is much more predictable than it would be for, frankly, for individuals. And the diversity of you know having both the private and the public markets, which have you know some similarities, but also different impacts with different sort of economic factors. And and actually, that's a really good point, and I think Ed would agree. It's like they go in cycles. So a couple of years ago, Ed, Ed, Ed had a really good run for a couple of years, where private equity is doing better than public markets. And then when the public markets are running, it's hard for private equity to keep up. So so they, it's very complementary the, the two parts of the portfolio. Yeah, and just to add to that point, right? So when we talk about private markets too, we generally try to access parts of the market that are not available in the public markets. You know, we, we think about things that are super early stage, not, you know, not like AI, but trend is already fully priced into the public markets today. Um, but try to get out, get out ahead of things before they become sort of mainstream. We can put some risk dollars at those things before they're available in the, in the, in the public markets. Um, same thing with if, if there's a severely dislocated price. You know, like we talk about commercial real estate, it's terrible to have it in the portfolio now. But there is buying opportunity in six to 12 months. I joke with the board that it's, it's been boring. It's been boring for the last three years, which is why we haven't had a lot of it in the portfolio. But we're actually preparing to do some of that stuff in the private markets over the next six to 12 months if what people are talking about is true and higher interest rates come and, and really impact the value of those buildings. We're going to you know, back up the truck and, and put on some exposure in, in commercial real estate in the private markets. Well, this has been super interesting. Um, do you guys have any exciting plans for the rest of summer? Having just gotten through with a knee replacement surgery, I've got four more weeks of rehab, and then I will begin to enjoy my summer, I hope. Uh, I'm going to be actively running, which is my favorite hobby that uh, Ed can't do anymore. <laughs> <laughs> rub it in. Rub it in. <laughs> Thanks, uh, gents, for all the updates and information. Uh, time for us to get back to work. Um, but before we go, Jeb, um, i got to know, how do you think Ed did today as our special guest? Was he special enough? You know, I... I don't give Ed a lot of compliments because he. Um, that's that's true. He does that, not that, give me. that is true. And you know, I'd like to say there's a lot of reasons for it, but it could be that I'm just spiteful. Um, but I gotta tell you, I think he was pretty special today. I do. Ed, how'd you feel? Well, thank you, Jeff. This is very fun. I really appreciate you guys having me on. Yeah. All right. Hope to see you again. Thanks, guys. Yep. Thanks, Thanks a lot, Kristen. More information on MERS's performance and strategy 
on our website, which is found in the show notes. Um, thanks again, Jeb. Look for another episode of Inside MERS Investments next quarter for continued great discussion on MERS investment performance and strategy. This podcast is intended as general information only and should not be regarded as investment advice.